Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. All right, so uh, we're going to switch gears now. Um, we're going to do a, a live recording of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Some of you uh, said you've heard this before, so I have to go into podcast character and switch my voice here in a minute, but it's all right. But really, I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited about this next session because... Um, um, Amerigo, many of you probably have heard of Amerigo. Uh, the content that they put out uh, is amazing. It's really good stuff. They have their finger on the pulse about what's going on from a, certainly from a regulatory perspective as well as a quality perspective. Um, we, we heard the gentleman from Amerigo share a little bit ago, you know, they've got offices on six continents. Uh, I wonder when they're going to get their Antarctica office. <laughs> when you do, let us know because we're, that's the only continent we're missing too. So, um, but it's it's um, a lot of things are happening in in the regulatory world today. Uh, you know, certainly some changes I think in the right direction from uh, an FDA perspective. A lot of changes happening in the EU and. Who better to bring up to talk about that than Evangeline Lowe from Amergo? So please come on stage. I guess, I guess we'll just, yeah, sure. Wonderful, thank you. All right, so before we dive in and start chatting about regulatory things, I guess give some people a little bit of background about who you are. I mean, you're, you know you're famous, right? Everybody reads your stuff. I don't know about that, but this is probably my first podcast, so I'm thinking I've arrived just like almost at TikTok, if you know the reference, so I'm starting to feel a little bit younger and hipper, so All right. I'm feeling positive. But um, um, you and I know this, but very few others know this, but our, um, our professional careers cross paths uh, once upon a time about, what, 15 years ago. So, I, yeah, I was, I was leaving a company as she was, you know, she'd been there for a few months before I left. And then it was really cool to get to connect with you, you know, quite a few years later. And I've been a huge fan of your writing. And, and you, you put the regulatory um, framework and content in a way that I think is, you know, uh, maybe I'm a little bit of an advanced uh, person here on this topic, but it's in a way that's digestible, and I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for that. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I mean, clearly we're here because we love regulatory and compliance, or we wouldn't be doing this on a daily basis. And I think we're excited that there are medical device manufacturers out there who are excited about their mission, and we're all passionate about, you know, ultimately patients and patient lives and kind of improving yeah, you know, everyone's lives. So. For sure. So um, I think the big elephant in the room from a regulatory perspective um, is EU MDR. Um, to a little bit of a lesser extent, only because we've we got a little bit more time, the IVDR stuff. But um, you know, I guess give people an update or um, sort of an overview synopsis of 
AUMDR and timing and all that sort of thing, that's probably a good place to start. Great. No, but I mean, that's something that we love to wax philosophical about. And I think when we were originally invited to, to speak, we asked, well, do we have four hours or do we have five hours? <laughs> so we're going to do our kind of our high level. Neither four hours or five <laughs> no, hours. No, we, we don't mean to frighten. It's all right. So, you know, to give you kind of the, the high-level synopsis, I think we all know that the date of application of the medical device regulation is the 26th of May, 2020, so coming up very soon. But I think since then, or before then, I think we all recognize that there have been a few kind of additional pieces of legislation that have changed things. So we heard that, and this is not legislation per se, but we heard from the European Commission that the European database, Udemed, has been delayed. So in November of 2019, they indicated that Udemed would be postponed, they expected, until May 2022. They didn't describe further what that meant in terms of the delay and, and when the actual verification validation would occur. But if, if you're familiar with the MDR, you know that it says that the entire um, Udemed system has to be released in its entirety with all the modules. So there's no concept of piecemeal um, modules released for this European database. So that's something, if, if you are familiar with the legislation, you know how fundamental that is to everything that's related to medical device legislation, because it, it describes kind of the registration system. So all the medical devices that need to be registered in this database. It describes all the registration of economic operators. So these are all the critical players in the, the kind of the medical device ecosystem, the manufacturer, the authorized representative, the importer, and the distributor, and, it, and so forth and so on. So, you know, um, kind of registering clinical investigations and, and everything else, vigilance, treating, including vigilance information in the database. So all this is now delayed until May 2022. And it's pretty significant ramifications on the medical device regulation if you think about the fact that the date of application is coming up and so much is related to this upcoming deadline. So that was fairly significant news. I, I think the next thing that was kind of a welcome reprieve for all of us was what we call Core Agendum 2. And that was also kind of announced in November 2019. And essentially the idea was if you are currently a class one self-certified medical device to the medical device directive, and you are upclassified by the medical device regulation, which essentially means that you need a certification from an MDR designated notified body, you effectively had until May 2024. So you had until 26 May 2024. So essentially granting you the same timeline for transition as legacy devices. So if we're all familiar with the medical device regulation, we know that legacy devices, according to Article 123, says that medical devices with a notified body issued MDDC marking certificate have until 24 May 2024 in order to be compliant from the device aspects to the medical device regulation. So effectively now, all these class one self-certified MDD medical devices that are upclassified. So think all your reusable surgical instruments that are currently class one self-certified by rule six. These all have until May 2024 to get an MDR uh, and notify body MDR C marking certificate. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's but it's crazy. It's a lot there, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's so, a lot. so I um um I guess the the thing that I want you all to understand is it's complicated, all right? Um, it's as much as, as you hope that it's simple. I mean, there's there's twists and turns and nuances. So, 
you know, get a hold of somebody like Evangeline or, you know, talk to, to you know, a regulatory consultant or, or somebody who really knows their stuff on EUMDR knows all these different nuances because uh, if, if the European market is important to you and you don't know these things, uh, you could be hosed. <laughs> That's a technical term. But I, but I think it would be fair to say that we're all kind of walking this walk. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... I guess we'd like to say certainty, but it, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And I think we're all experiencing that. And I think to give you an example, this whole Unimed thing, this delay, so this is, you know, to, to competent authorities now, they're all scrambling because they now all need systems because on the date of application, all medical devices, which are class one self-certified to the medical device regulation, need to be compliant to the medical device regulation if they want to continue to be marketed. So these competent authorities now are all scrambling as well to ensure that they have the systems in order to have these devices registered. And so it's not just medical device manufacturers, it's everyone in the entire enterprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is an ecosystem challenge. I mean, the, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, you probably know, I'm, I'm sure you could probably cite them all, but um, number of notified bodies, that's, that's been a concern from folks too. So yeah. where do we sit today? So with the MDR, there are currently 11 notified bodies that have been designated to the MDR. And, and that's pretty low if, if you think about But dramatically it. higher than what it was just a few months ago. Yes. So the EU Commission has continually published reports and indicated that there's a lot of notified bodies that will be soon to be designated. But the whole designation process has taken a lot longer than everyone's expected and anticipated. And if you want to keep up with this, I think the, there's a database called Nando. And in Nando, they publish all the bodies that have been notified to the different European legislations. And, and that's where you would kind of monitor to track that information. Yeah, so check out Nando. It's uh, Nando. I think if you just do Google Nando, you'll get it, yeah. Um, but, but 11 notified bodies. I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I've heard stories from folks that some of the notified bodies that are, that are um, certified to MDR, they're not taking new clients. Right. They're so, not answering phone calls. So what are people supposed to do? So that's a, that's a great question, and it's, it's one that I think everyone is, is concerned about, is if you're a new manufacturer and you currently don't have an identified, notified body, you know, how, how do you navigate that environment? And I think it's, that's a legitimate challenge, and I, I don't think anyone has a great answer for that at this time. I think you know we're we're kind of at the mercy of notified bodies who have been designated to the MDR. If you indeed need to be MDR compliant after the date of application, I, I think there's still the question: Are you an, a, a class one self-certified MDD medical device that's upclassified? And and then those because we do know that there are a few of those manufacturers they're scrambling to get their products on the market before May 26 compliant to the MDD so they can benefit from this core addendum two kind of transition time. So, so I, I know you, you said some of those d dates earlier, but it might be good to use like a, a kind of an example to kind of you know, illustrate why there would be an advantage uh, for a company to get the MDD certification now before May uh, 2020. Remind us, what is that? Why would I want to do that? So there are probably two scenarios. Um, so in the first case, let's say you are currently at, you are in a medical device that's that requires a, a notified body MDDC marking certificate. If you can indeed engage a notified body who be willing to 
to review and confer to you an MDDC marking certificate before May, you can capitalize on the concept of being a legacy device and use Article 123 and continue to market with your MDDC marking certificate until 26 May 2024. But you have to have that MDD, the notified body issued MDDC marking certificate. In the other scenario, if you are an MDD upclassified medical device, so a, a good example for a lot of manufacturers is the Rule 12 software products. So currently, if you review Annex um, 9 of the Medical Device Directive, you'll look at the classification criteria, and you'll know that that software, of course, needs to review the active devices, and then a lot of software gets classified as Rule 12, probably Class 1 self-certified. So if you're under that condition, under the MDR within Annex 8, which is the classification criteria, there's now a Rule 11, which deals with software. And with that rule, you're automatically Class 2A if you're software. So if you can demonstrate that you're MDD Class 1 self-certified, and you can get your product on the market before 26 May, 2020, so in the next few months, to the MDD, then you have also, based on core addendum two, you also have until 26 May 2024 to secure an, a notified body issued MDRC marking certificate. And, and there's some conditions related to that that you, that you need to adhere to, of course. But. Yeah, so it's, it's a potentially a good opportunity you know, to kind of beat the clock, so to speak. It is, and it's wonderful, but there isn't a huge amount of time. And if you're currently looking to get a notified body to issue a C-marking certificate to the MDD, there's not a tremendous amount of time, and not all notified bodies are willing to take right. new MDD clients. Because they're not going to continue with MDR, or why because, not? For both scenarios, because they're not going to continue to the MDR, and they want to start preparing for MDR C-marking. Yeah. So, so under two, con diff two different conditions. Uh, all right, so the, the, another thing that's kind of interesting to me, the uh, twist um, that, that um, in all of this, in addition to the things that you've already shared, is uh, Brexit. <laughs> um, um, you know, any, any thoughts on, on, on Brexit and how this can impact everything that's happening in the EU? So I think if you're, you're familiar with Brexit and you're monitoring it, for, for 2019, it was kind of the year of, will Brexit happen? Will there be a cliff edge Brexit? You know, Brexit, no Brexit, what's going on? So we finally realized and heard that in January of this year that Brexit occurred. So the UK is formally out of the European Union, but they have until the end of this year to kind of negotiate and you know, describe the terms of that kind of Brexit exit. So at, at this point, I think we'd say that we don't really have additional details about what Brexit looks like and what the UK legislation really looks like. And we know that they're scrambling to, to develop their legislation. And whether they'll have kind of a, a similar mutual recognition the way kind of Switzerland, Norway, Iceland, Liechtenstein does is yet to be seen. So, so there's a lot of different scenarios under discussion. We know the UK regulators and the MHRA are under tremendous pressure because they've had some previous Brexit guidance on their website and they, they quickly pulled that, um, I think, a few weeks ago. So, so we know they're under tremendous pressure because there's, the UK represents a huge market. And I, I think we all know that last year in 2019, a lot of the notified bodies that were based in the UK, so MHRA was kind of their designating authority, they all went and established offices in the kind of the more, you know, in the EU, in the EU 27, less the UK. 
So, you know, BSI, which is a big notified body, there's now BSI Netherlands. And, and so a lot of the, the UK-based notified bodies now have EU enterprises. And a lot of the manufacturers were given the opportunity to switch to those notified bodies. And a good majority of them have done so. So in that sense, that's been a relief, the fact that they're now with non-UK-based notified bodies. But I think we're still very actively monitoring what Brexit means to medical device manufacturers. Like, you know, if you kind of were aware in 2019, one of the scenarios that are being bantered is now you also need a UK representative. So in order to market in the UK, you need a UK representative. So you need your European authorized representative if you're a manufacturer who's not established in the EU. And then similarly, in order to market in the UK, you would need a UK representative. Um, so it's, it's a little bit from a kind of a regulatory regime perspective, it's a little unfortunate because it, it represents a little additional work and potentially duplication. So. Yeah, I mean, and at the same time, I mean, MHRA, like, like I've always had such great experience in working with MHRA. I, I feel that they are, you know, on par with FDA. I, I think that's been one of, I think the device industry probably agrees that the MHRA, they try to take a very practical approach. They're very pragmatic in, in their kind of view of medical device classification, medical device legislation. And they realize, yes, you know, legislation is important, regulations are important, but there's also, you know, a business practical aspect to everything. So they're not as fastidious as some of the competent authorities who we, shan't, we won't name, but they're not as fastidious and kind of bureaucratically administrative to the point where there's no conceivable benefit. Um, and so I, I think that's been one of the, you know, if you, if you monitor any of the European kind of groups and activities, you'll know that the MHRA, that, that, that they, they have a voice in all these European groups and all these expert meetings. And so it's really a little bit of a disappointment that they're no longer formally part of the EU. Um, I think we saw that with medicinal products as well, where, where the EMA moved, you know, offices from the UK. And that's kind of represents a, a slight demise to, to everyone that that's happened. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think there are some folks uh, in medical device companies who believe that there's still going to, to be a delay in the implementation of EUMDR. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I kind of, your laugh tells me how you feel, but I guess, uh, what do you think? Is there going to be any kind of delay? I mean, if I could prognosticate, I would. Um, and we have not heard anything about a delay, but then we, we have to be candid. I think Core Genom 2 was also a very pleasant surprise to everyone. Right. I, I think that was a little unexpected. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a great question. Will there be a, a delay? And I think, you know, um, Greenlight Guru did that 2020 medical device survey, and it indicated that 80% of the representatives said, a medical device representative said they weren't prepared for the MDR. Yeah. And, and I think another thing that we haven't really spoken about, which is, you know, for the large majority of legacy devices that, are, that will be on the market after the date of application, there's still tremendous discussion, at least what we've observed, between notified bodies on what exactly applies to a legacy device. So if you review Article 123, it says that you know, certain provisions of the MDR apply, like post-market surveillance, vigilance, um, et cetera. But it, it doesn't really state 
do Articles 10 through 15 on the economic operator responsibilities apply? So there's the big question. As a manufacturer, do you need to have a person responsible for regulatory compliance on the date of application if you have a legacy device? And so there's still a lot of really interesting unanswered questions. And, and even you know, the, some of the notified bodies don't have consistent policies about this yet. And so that's one of the things we're hoping for is you know, in the next few weeks, months, that there's a little bit more consensus statements on some of these questions. Yeah, I, I, as I say, it's a hot mess right now in Europe, right? Um, uh, any other thoughts uh, that you think are important to the audience? But I, I think I'm looking for one of my colleagues. Uh, but any other thoughts that, that you have before we maybe take a few questions from folks in the audience? I mean, we're clearly passionate about regulatory affairs. And, and I think we say that it's important to, to kind of monitor and understand what's happening. Because there, it's, it's ever evolving and changing. And we can't, you know, we can't prognosticate. And perhaps there will be a delay on the MDR. I mean, you know, we don't know. But if you're planning for a delay yeah, so, and so it doesn't happen, then... So that's a, that's a fair point. So also be realistic and understand all the timelines and the deadlines. Is that they are impending. All right. So um, some great insights. And some of you might have some questions about what's going on in the EU, or, or I guess it doesn't matter. Evangelina is a worldwide regulatory expert, so if there's some other market you're curious about, it's free opportunity to ask her your, your most interesting question about regulatory. So I'm going to put her on the spot. Hi, I'm a brand new startup. So we'll be a brand new company looking at CE Mars, and we just decided to ignore MDR because it was scary. <laughs> but if right now we started thinking, all right, we want to get a MDR certified and go to Europe, what, what do I tell my board of directors is the timeline? So I. Class two, yes. No, that makes a difference. So, so it's the the product is a medical device that's based on its risk is going to require an MDR designated notified body. Um, and so, if you had to tell your board of directors what the timeline is, I think the first public comment we'd make is it's important now to start engage a notified body that has been designated to the MDR, so one of these 11 notified bodies, or one of a notified body that you expect to be designated very soon. So, so that's probably the first part of the discussion. Because based on that discussion, they will provide some estimated timelines of what their queue is like. So all these notified bodies also have will have legacy devices on the date of application. So they'll all have all these manufacturers that they currently have with MDD issued C marking certificates that will need to be kind of transitioned to the MDR and they'll need MDR certificates before 26 May 2024. So you're, you're in queue with those manufacturers so it would be important to kind of identify a few notified bodies and start talking with them for what their timelines are. And unfortunately we can't really anticipate now what that time frame is because Notified bodies, as we've heard, are, are just, they're, they're really kind of, they're also a little backlogged and, yeah. and 
the timelines are. Maybe, maybe I'll ask a slight variant on the question. So assuming I have the conversation with my notified body and I understand their pro timeline to get into the queue, yeah. once I start with them on the process, do we, do we have any sense of um, going through the whole notified body tech file review, all, that entire process, do we have any sense of if it's longer or about the same as before? I mean, I think a fair, a fair assumption would be that it's going to be longer because of the, they're, they're going to be more vigorous through the MDR certification process. So you'll probably, even though it's not mandatory per se per the MDR, you'll probably elect to be compliant to EN ISO 13485 2016. So you'll first have your quality management system kind of certified by the register by the notified body, and then after that, you'll have the notified body review your technical documentation. So, so there's two kind of two phases to the process, and they can be simultaneously simultaneous. But certainly, as as John has indicated, it is the review is going to be more vigorous, and we've already seen that with notified bodies currently. You know, in reviewing to the MDD, that they are more vigorous in their reviews, and, and particularly with clinical evaluation reports. So that's one of the documents that you require that kind of compiles all your clinical data into one submission. And we've really seen notified bodies scrutinize those documents now. And, and so the, the, the magnitude of the reviews is pretty tremendous, and even for what we feel are relatively low-risk class 2A devices. So it is really a, a very interesting time. Um, and so it's important to start engaging those those notified bodies to have those discussions to understand, yes, will they accept new clients and what is their time frame and timeline? All right, that's a great question. Any other questions from the audience? Going once. Oh, here we go. Hi there. Um, I think my question is pretty big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you, you have talked about the MDR. So great, yeah, um, absolutely. So the IVDD, of course, is the current legislation for in vitro diagnostic devices. The in vitro di the IVDR applies, so its date of application is 26 May 2020. So two years from now, which is why John said that 2024. 2022, right? Yeah, 2022. Yeah. Did I not say that? Oh, sorry. So 2022. Um, so most people haven't been really speaking about the IVD. And if you look at the number of notified bodies that have been designated to the IVDR, there's only three currently. So three notified bodies. And so one of the significant differences between the IVDD and the IVDR is the classification system. So with the IVDD, as you appreciate, the majority of the products were probably self-certified IVDDs because they weren't explicitly delineated on Annex 2, List A, or List B, and they weren't self-testing for use by a layperson in the home environment. So the majority of IVDDs are self-certified, which means that they have no oversight by, by a notified body, that they're self-certified by the manufacturer. And so one of the significant differences between the IVDD and the IVDR is now 80% of devices that were previously self-certified now require a notified body issued IVDR certificate. And so if you think about the magnitude of that, that represents a tremendous amount of, of additional regulatory review by these bodies, which didn't previously exist. 
Um, and so one of the, again, with notified bodies and notified body resources, you know, that being a concern, that's going to be a tremendous, tremendous um, activity now for all these IVDDs that are now upclassified because of the IVDR and now need a notified body that's been designated to IVDR to review the product before they can be marketed. So if we're talking about prognostication, I think very analogous to current core agendum two for the MDR, there is a, a potential opportunity for some kind of delay, similarly with the IVDR, for products which are currently self-certified IVDDs that are upclassified by the IVDR. Just based on, just based on, if you look at the volume of products that now need a, a, a notified body that's designated to the IVDR, that certificate, it, it seems logical that there's going to be some type of legislative delay if you had to prognosticate. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know how to answer this, but my suspicion is the majority of companies or entities that would now be under um, the regulations of IVDR don't even know it yet. So I think that's, I mean, that's, that's also kind of similar with medical devices and MDR, is that a good part of what we hope to do and, and wish and know that we're doing is kind of educating the, the community, just so that everyone's aware that, look, these legislations, you know, the de deadlines are approaching and, and they become, they impact all products. So everyone's impacted, regardless of your classification, there's just a different timeline based on your classification. Good point. All right, so any other questions for Evangeline or me on EUMDR or anything else that's on your mind? All right, well, help me in thanking uh, Evangeline Lowe, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs with Amerigo. And, and I guess I should do the thing. Uh, this is John Spear. Uh, the, the, I don't know what I say now. I can't even do it. Uh, uh, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. But do be sure to go check it out. As uh, Nick shared earlier, I mean, it's the number one podcast in the medical device industry. So uh, download it something like uh, 300,000 times. And you don't need an iPhone. You can have uh, any kind of phone. You can go to SoundCloud. You can go to iTunes. Uh, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, uh, you'll be able to find a global medical device podcast. So again, thank you all so much. Uh, I think there's still a little bit of time for maybe a few uh, uh, glasses of wine or something, I, but a little bit of time to, to catch up. Maybe you know, go meet that person that you haven't had a chance to talk to. But again, thank you so much for joining us at the True Quality Roadshow Houston version. Thank you.